Welcome to Confessions of a Realtor. As an active, full-time realtor serving Tallahassee and the surrounding areas since 2014, it was time to use my experience to educate consumers on the whys and hows behind the home buying and home selling processes. We'll have some fun, I'll share some crazy real estate stories, and keep you informed on realtors' best kept secrets. Why? Because when you're informed, you can make empowered decisions. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Realtor. Today's topic, what are the four things that realtors look for when it comes down to a pre-approval letter? You may not know what a pre-approval letter is, so let's talk a little bit about that. Most people, whenever they go to purchase a home, don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash lying around. People will go see a mortgage lender or a lender to be able to see if they can get pre-approved for a home loan. That lender, depending on the information that you give them and the access that you give them, they're going to issue you either a pre-qualification letter or a pre-approval letter. Well, Rachel, aren't we talking about pre-approval letters today? Yes, we are. And we're still going to get into it. But there is a difference that I'd like to point out between pre-qualification and pre-approval. Pre-qualification is typically you giving the lender your information. So you may say, Mr. Lender, I make $70,000 a year. My credit score is a 714 and I have no child support that's being paid to me. I'm not paying out any child support. I'm not paying out any alimony. There's no alimony that's coming to me. And the lender may say, okay, well, that all sounds well and good. Here's your pre-qualification letter. Most of the time, pre-qualification letters, even though that is a type of letter that you can get from a lender, they're regarded as a little bit weaker than a pre-approval letter. Pre-approval letters on the other side of things, that's typically when you've given the lender access to your financials. So you'll typically fill out a mortgage application with the mortgage lender to be able to get a pre-approval letter. And that's where they will pull your credit to verify that your credit is a 714. That's where they'll ask you for pay stubs, for W-2 information. If you're self-employed, they'll ask you for 1099. They will compile all of that information review it, it typically takes anywhere from two days to five or six days if you've got a more complicated file, and they will issue you then a pre-approval letter off of the information that they have verified. Why is it important to be pre-approved before you start looking for your first home or for your next home? It's so important because we have no idea as realtors what you can afford. And to be honest, I find that most buyers, most people, unless they are very conservative, most of the time they tend to overinflate what they can afford. And then there's a disappointment sometimes because an improper expectation has been set if you're looking at houses that you can't afford. To put it in simplest terms, it's like if I promised my kid six cookies and then I only gave him four. Would I hope that he'd be grateful for the four? Yes. But does he still want the six? Also, yes. 
Additionally, most buyers, whether purchasing for the first time or if they are upsizing or downsizing, which is basically you already own your home, but you're looking to sell it and then get a mortgage for the new home, you're still a buyer. And so most people, regardless of if this is your first time, second time or third time, they want to know what their monthly payment is going to be. And your monthly payment is really determined by your financial profile, by the interest rate. And those things cannot be determined and you can't get an estimate of those until you go get a pre-approval. So a lot of times someone may see a house and they'll be like, well, Rachel, what's my monthly payment going to be on this? I have no idea because I do not know your financial history. I do not know what interest rate you would qualify for because I never have access to your full financial profile. So that's another reason why it is so important to get your pre-approval prior to looking for homes. So that pre-approval process, that allows you to be able to determine budget. It allows you to be able to build rapport with your lender. It allows you to have the backing of a financial institution prior to going out and looking at property. Additionally, most sellers and the way that I train my sellers is that we don't even really consider offers or they won't even really consider offers seriously that don't have a pre-approval letter or don't state somewhere in the contract that the pre-approval letter is going to be provided within 24 to 48 hours. Anybody can write a contract. Anybody can put their name on a contract. Anybody can sign it. But the thing that communicates that you are a serious buyer is going to be that pre-approval letter. And I get that it's scary. I get that, you know, opening up your finances to a lender is something that can be a little bit nerve wracking, but it's just part of the process. And most people, once they understand the need for the pre-approval and how it protects them and helps focus their search, don't have a problem getting pre-approved, especially if they are serious buyers. Doesn't mean that you're ready to close on the house tomorrow, but it's just part of the process. It's very much like going to your doctor's office and them asking you for a copy of your insurance card. It literally is a box that they check to, yes, bill your insurance, right? We're not going to forget the obvious there, but also sometimes it's a protection for you. So maybe instead of ordering an expensive medication that your insurance wouldn't cover, they're able to order something that fits within your insurance parameters. And it's the same thing with the housing market. You go to look for a home. It's not just you looking at a home. It's you looking for a home to live in, which means that you'll have to buy the home, which means that you'll have to place a contract on the home. And for most contracts to even be considered, sellers are going to require a pre-approval letter. I had someone a few years ago who reached out and they weren't pre-approved. I explained the process to them, but they immediately wanted to go look at property and were actually quite pushy about wanting to go out and look at property. But we stuck to what we always do, sent them a few names as far as different lenders. And they said, "Okay, well, I'll find my own and then I'll get back with you. That's fine. I can't tell you who to use as far as a lender. So they get a pre-approval letter and they refuse to send me a copy, but still want to go see property. And really, I can't work with that. I have no idea what you're pre-approved for. I have no idea the loan type that you have. There's so many things that we check on that letter that we'll get into in this podcast, but there was just a stubborn refusal of this potential customer to go through the process. So I declined to work with her, which resulted in the next day, a quite nasty cussing me out voicemail being left on my phone. And I think what I want to drive home here, having had that experience actually a few times, is that it is not personal. 
asking for a pre-approval as a realtor is really to protect you at the end of the day. So let's get into what we look for on that pre-approval. Most of the time, when we get a pre-approval letter from a potential client, there are four things that we are looking at. The first thing that we're looking at is the loan type. Loan type is very important when it comes down to the types of houses that we can schedule you to look at. While there are many types of loans that can be used to purchase a property, the four most common types used by most traditional buyers are going to be the VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, and USDA loan. And each loan type has different restrictions. So let's take a look at that with the USDA loan. The USDA loan is backed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Basically, the house that you purchase has to be in what they consider a rural area. Now, thankfully, that definition is also pretty loose, in my opinion. You're not out there necessarily in the boondocks, but for a USDA loan in our area, you're probably going to be out toward Killarney Lakes, maybe Gadsden County, Crawfordville, to be able to use that 0% down. So there are geographical restrictions with this specific type of loan. So if I have a client that they're looking strictly at USDA loans, and that's the pre-approval letter that I have in front of me, we have to check and make sure that every property that they want to see is going to be in what the USDA defines as a rural area or removed from an urban center. So you're not going to be able to typically buy a house in Midtown with a USDA loan. The geographical restrictions on that loan will prevent that. So a lot of loans have little kind of quirks about them that it's not necessarily that we don't want to show you the house or that we think that you won't like it. We know that, hey, with your loan, you can't close on this home. So it may be worth it to go back to the lender and see if you can get approved for a different type of loan that would allow you to take a look at the house, be able to move in the house and really consider that house as an option for you. So the first thing that we're looking at is loan type. The next thing that we're typically looking at is your loan amount. Now, whenever you go to a lender for that pre-approval letter and they pull your credit, you complete the mortgage application. Unless you put a specific amount on your mortgage application, say that you're already looking at a house at 123 Main Street. It's been coming up on whatever app that you're looking at and you just love this house and 123 Main Street is $300,000. So unless you put on your mortgage application that you're looking for this specific amount, most lenders are going to pre-approve you for up to your best case scenario. And so what I always tell my clients is that it does not matter to me what your lender pre-approves you for. What matters is what is affordable. And sometimes what the lender pre-approves you for and what's affordable are two different things. So y'all know I have a story because I have a story for everything. So I had this one client and this is before I knew to ask you know, not just about loan amount, but also about monthly payments. So cut me some slack, give me some grace. I was super new and super green, okay? So let's say that um, they were pre-approved for $260,000. So they're pre-approved for $260,000. We're going out, we're looking at houses, we have a good time. And then they find a house that they wanna put an offer in on. The lender had not gone over their monthly payment with them. And so whenever they submitted the offer, that's when the lender gave them the loan estimate. And the loan estimate showed, it shows a breakdown of all lender fees, kind of your process, everything that's going to be on your responsibilities at the closing table. And it will also discuss your monthly payment. And that monthly payment that was on that loan estimate for $260,000 was about $1,500 a month. 
And they were not comfortable there. They were not comfortable paying $1,500 a month for a home. And that was just where their level of affordability was at. So then we went back to the lender and they ran the numbers at what they were comfortable with, which was $1,000 a month. And so $1,000 a month put them at a purchase price of about $170,000. And so they did end up purchasing that house all those years ago. They did end up purchasing a home. They're actually still in it now and it's working well for them. But you have to imagine just if you're looking at $260,000 homes and then you're dropping down to 170 because that's where it's more affordable for you, that's all well and good and you're keeping the main thing the main thing. You're staying on track, you're staying on budget. But there was definitely a level of disappointment that they had from going to looking at houses that were, let's say, 1,700 square feet to houses that were 1,400 square feet. So this is why I always tell my clients, know the monthly payment prior to us going and looking at houses. It's always going to have just a little bit of flux depending on when you're purchasing and because interest rates change on a daily basis, but still you want to know ballpark so that you're very comfortable. The next thing that we look at on the pre-approval letter is the expiration date on it. Now, this is very lender dependent. I've actually seen a lot of pre-approval letters recently without a expiration date on it. But typically, pre-approval letters are good from anywhere from about 30 to 90 days. And I have noticed that lenders will typically not give more time on the pre-approval letter if they feel like the interest rates are kind of bumping all around the place, going up, going down, just in a lot of flux. So expiration is very important. Typically, whenever I get an expired pre-approval letter, it is someone who's trying to look at one of my listings. I don't show houses without pre-approval letters. That's a business standard that I have. And so they'll send me a pre-approval letter from like 90 to like 120 days ago. I can tell that it's expired. So I'll ask them, hey, can you get me a new current pre-approval? Because things change. The interest rates change on a daily basis. Your finances change. If I see a pre-approval letter with an expiration date on it before showing property, I'm definitely going to ask you for a current pre-approval letter so that we're both making sure that you're ready to purchase in this market. The fourth thing that I'm typically looking for on that letter is the lender that you're working with. That is incredibly important to your process. The way that our current Tallahassee contract is, the average contract is 30 to 35 days from the time that you put a contract in on the house to the time that you're ready to close on the house and we have closing scheduled for you. You have the first 15 days of roughly that 30-ish day contract for the lender to say, hey, I've looked everything over and I think that barring something crazy happening, barring the client lying to me, I'm thinking that we should be able to do this loan. That's where your earnest money deposit, so typically that 1% of the purchase price, that's where if the lender says past the 15th day that they can't do it, you typically will take the financial hit. So the seller can take your 1% earnest money deposit even if you didn't do anything. So let me repeat that. The way that our current contract is written for the first 15 days, the lender should be looking at, can we do this loan? Is the client telling me the truth? And you should be telling them the truth and getting them the information that they need as quickly as possible so they can make that determination within those first 15 days. If on day 16 of your contract, the lender tells me, Rachel, I am so sorry. I thought that we could do this loan. I messed up something with the student loan calculation or I didn't factor in the child support that they're paying or I forgot that they're still paying alimony and I can't do this loan. You lose your earnest money deposit. 
The lender just doesn't get paid. The realtor doesn't get paid. You lose your 1% earnest money deposit. So if you're under contract on a house that's $300,000, that's easily three grand that you're agreeing to give over to the seller. So that's why it is so important to me, the lenders that my clients work with. Now, there's kind of a two-pronged approach to this conversation. The first is a conversation between local lenders and online lenders or lenders who are out of state. I am always going to prefer that my clients work with local lenders just because I know that there is more accountability with working with a local lender. And then also the lender controls the appraiser or the assignment of the appraiser who goes out and values your home. And we want to make sure that it's someone who knows our local market. That's sometimes a little bit of a wild card when you're working with an online lender or an out-of-state lender. Additionally, if we come down to a multiple offer situation, nine times out of 10, the offer that's going to get accepted is going to be the one that is working with a local lender. Just because we know that there are so many things in your process that kind of require boots on the ground. They require someone who has a local and intimate knowledge of our market. I'm also really turned off from online lenders. I have worked with them before. I actually just finished a a transaction about a week ago with the online lender for one of my clients. And I can tell you that their last 48 hours working with that lender was super stressful. The lender was definitely throwing them under the bus and blaming them for stuff that had nothing to do with them and almost couldn't close. The builder was literally heading out of town to Italy and they needed to close it on a Friday. And the lender thought that, well, maybe we can get this closed on Monday or Tuesday. Let's just ask for a couple of days. So we had to figure out how to make it work in a way that was equitable for both buyer and builder. So no, not all lenders are the same. Not every process is going to give you the same outcome. There's probably one huge red flag to me when it comes, again, to working with online lenders. This is way, way back in the day, probably about seven, six or seven years ago. And I had a client that was working with an online lender. That online lender, they kept on needing more time, needing more extensions. And I had been talking to them, staying in communication with them. And at the end of the day, the last conversation that I had with that lender is they told me two things. They told me, Rachel, the closing date is arbitrary. And it is absolutely not. The closing date is not arbitrary. If you're saying that you're going to be able to close this file by August 15th, we have to get that closed by August 15th or I'm renegotiating the contract and trying to get the seller to agree to allow my buyer more time to close on this home because you're not meeting deadlines. That's the first thing that he said. And the second thing is that he actually admitted to lying to me about what the buyer could do because they didn't want to open quote worry me too much or set off any alarms. And while there are some things that lenders are not permitted to discuss with realtors, there comes a point in time where we need to know if you can close this or not, just so that we can prepare all parties so that we can negotiate what we need to negotiate. So my point is in all of this, the lender really controls a lot of your process how quickly you're able to get in contact with them, how quickly you're able to get an answer on documentation that you're submitting. Lenders are not all created the same and most good realtors are going to provide you a list of lenders, not because we have a secret handshake or a backdoor deal with them, but most of the time it's just because we know, look, they're gonna close and if they can't close this out or if they can't give me a pre-approval letter for you, they're going to tell me straight up so that we can put you in the position to where you are actually ready to purchase your next home. 
So just to recap, the four things that I'm looking for whenever I look at a pre-approval letter. Number one, the loan type. Can certain properties work with this loan? The second thing, the loan amount. And underneath that, are you comfortable with the loan amount and the monthly payment? The third thing, what is the expiration date on this pre-approval letter? And lastly, who's a lender that you're working with? Because that can make or break your process. I hope that this episode was helpful to you and you found it valuable. If you're looking for more real estate content, please feel free to continue tuning in. That's it for today's episode of Confessions of a Realtor. If you're looking for an active full-time agent in the Tallahassee or surrounding areas, thinking about moving or just want more real estate tips and tricks, the best place to connect with me is my Instagram page, Rachel Sells Homes 850. You'll also find it linked in the show notes. My Instagram also has a link in the bio to schedule a complimentary consultation with me, whether you're thinking about selling or purchasing. Alternatively, feel free to text me at 850-206-2199 and I'll respond during business hours. I look forward to connecting with you. 